Hi, my name is Gabe. I am in eighth grade at South Milwaukee Middle School. It's National Junior Honor Society Introduction Night, and I'm one of the newest members of the society. You're listening in the SMA podcast. Thank you for that introduction. This is the SMA podcast, and I'm Communication Coordinator Daniel Bader. Today, we're switching to the administration side of the school district and speaking to Dan Arnold, Director of Business Services. Specifically, we're talking about the budget. A lot of people's eyes glaze over when we hear that word, budget, but when it comes to schools, it's vitally important to know how we pay for our students to be educated. In a larger sense, where the money comes from, who provides it and where it goes, says a whole lot about who we are as a society. Here in South Milwaukee, Knowing how this engine of education runs is really important for understanding how our schools work and what happens in our classroom. What we're able to pay for depends on how much we receive from city taxpayers, but mostly from state legislatures in Madison through the budget. That will be an acute focus in the coming months as decisions are made in Madison and on the school board. As Dan Arnold and I will discuss, without increased funding to schools this year, the school board will have to decide on what could possibly be steep reductions in spending. But I'm getting ahead of myself. Here's Dan. Uh, Dan Arnold, welcome to the podcast. Morning, Dan. Thanks for having me. <laughs> uh, tell me a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so I, I started my, my career in education in the classroom. I was a social studies teacher for about six years before I decided to get my MBA and transition to administration. Um, so I actually was thinking of being a principal at first and then decided I liked the number crunching a bit more. So here I am, a director of business services at South Milwaukee. Uh, well, we're really glad to have you. Um, so we're, we have you here to talk about um, the budget and what, what goes into a budget. Um, first of all, how much does it cost to run South Milwaukee schools every year? Yeah, so if, if we're including everything in the budget, so from food service to rec to CTE, career technical education, literally everything in the budget, you're probably talking about some $60 million. Okay. Um, and then, you know, I, well, I hope everybody knows, but in, in our own lives, money comes in and money goes out. Um, so let's think of it in those two parts. Tell me where um, the money comes in. Where does it come from? Yeah, and I would take one step back even. I would even say, so everything is $60 million about. If we're focusing in on the classroom, um, so we separate everything into buckets. Fund 10 is the biggest bucket, and that's the general fund. If we're looking just at what the the cost of educating most children is, um, you're looking at about $44 million. So that, that rest of the budget is different buckets. So what goes into the budget? What, what is the revenue side? We're looking at predominantly um, state aid and property taxes. So taxpayers get their tax bills and then that a portion of that bill goes to the school district. And there's several lines on that bill. Some of it goes to MATC, some of it goes to the municipality, but one of that, uh, one of the larger portions of that bill is the school district. So that's exactly what we're talking about. So you bring all that money together, the school district gets it, and then there's an even larger part that the district receives from the state as state aid. So those two pieces, the state aid and the, the property tax, make up the vast majority of our revenue. Okay. Um, so that's the revenue side. Um, and now expenses. Um, you talked about that a little bit, but where does the money go? 
So we are a service industry. So we are providing a service to our children, namely educating them. So the vast majority of our expenses are related to education. So specifically the service of educating, and that is teaching. So classroom teachers, aides, uh, et cetera, people providing education is our, the vast majority of our expenditures. Over two-thirds of our, of our budget on the expense side consists of salaries and benefits. Mm. Um, and then, of course, there's uh, keeping the lights on. Right? Yeah, so utilities, the rest of that pie, so we have two-thirds are salaries and benefits. Um, the rest of that pie is broken up by several different things. So you have purchase services, you have um, you have you have supplies, um, you have property insurance, um, dues and fees. All those other little objects um, contain the rest of that to the, the rest of the third of that pie. Um, and it's important to note that even when we're talking about supplies and purchase services, we're not just talking about supplies for the classroom. We're talking about cleaning supplies and literally things to keep the lights on. So. Um, there's the the vast majority of the budget truly is is people is salaries and benefits. Sure, and a, a purchase services money bring maybe like an outside contractor like like a roofing project last year yeah. for the middle school something that we don't do ourselves. It's it's quite a broad category, so it could be anything from that roofing to bringing in a consultant to you name it. It's, if it's something that we are paying someone else to do to provide a service to who, who is not on our payroll. It falls in that purchase service category. Okay, and then insurance, obviously, and yeah, and it's important things. to note with insurance. So when we're talking about staff insurance, that's included in the benefits. Uh, so that's salaries and benefits, two thirds of the pie. When we're talking about insurance, on top of that, we're talking about district liability insurance. We're talking about um, workers' comp, things like that. That the other insurance that's not necessarily tied in with a specific person's salary. Sure. And debt service, I guess, right? So debt service as well would be, yeah, it's a different fund altogether as well. So that's that's Fund 38 and Fund 39. So getting it can get a little gray really fast. But, yeah, that's another portion of our expenditures. That, outside of the outside two-thirds. Outside of Fund 10 even. So, mm-hmm. yeah, correct. Okay. Um, so you've, you've been speaking to the school board, uh, and we're at the beginning of budget season for, for this uh, – for the next school year. So uh, – I'm sure our, re- our listeners know, but we're in the 22-23 school year. We're talking about how we're going to pay for things in the 23-24 school year. Correct. Yeah. So the budget process, we're, we're right in the heights of, of, of the budget season right now. And we're looking to, we're presenting different scenarios to the board right now. And we're having discussions as to what our assumption should be for the budget. And then by March, we're hoping to actually solidify what next year's budget looks like. Uh, so we, we have a lot of work to do ahead of us. Sure. So from a procedural standpoint, um, you help develop a, a budget like a proposal, and then the, but the school board ultimately has to adopt it. They make it. the decision, yes. And they, they are providing the key input as far as our assumptions are concerned. So it truly is their budget. It truly is their decisions that they have to make. Um, I have the advantage of being a little bit cut and dry and saying, here are the numbers. Now, board, what would you like to do with it? And board and administration work together with with input from stakeholders to try to figure out what is the best what what, what we need to do in order to best meet our the needs of our students. So it, it truly is a group process, but when push comes to shove, it is a board decision. Sure. And so, kind of thinking on that revenue side again, we know what the tax roughly what the 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 local tax 
revenue is going to be, right? But there's a part of it that you don't necessarily know when it comes to the state level. Yeah, so right now it's an exciting time. Uh, so the state passes what's called a biennium budget. So every two, this, they pass a budget for two years at a time. Right now, the Madison is trying to figure out what the next two years will look like from a state funding level. And that has huge implications for us as a district. So depending on what that biennium budget looks like, that will impact what kind of deficit we may or may not be facing next year. So two years ago, they made a decision that affected last year and this school year. Correct. Yeah, and the next one's going to affect next, next school, school year, year and the year after. You got it, exactly. And it's important to note that um, a lot of our discussions focus on this thing called the revenue limit. And that's the truly the key factor that a biennium can really impact. And in historically, since 2008, the idea of the ref, revenue limit was to index, increase the revenue limit in pace with inflation. Sure. You had a great analogy about what a revenue limit is like. So imagine you can only get $10. And the government says, you can, we'll give you seven, and then the rest you have to get from property taxes or local sources. No matter what, you're getting $10. The question is, how much of it is property tax and how much of it is state aid. Um, so that's the situation we're looking at with the revenue limit. The state literally says, based off your, your membership, um, this is the number, this is the amount of money you can raise. And that's it, um, within Fund 10, that is. Um, and obviously there are other sources. It gets a little bit more gray as you add in federal sources, but um, those make up the minority of the budget. The vast majority of it truly comes within the revenue limit with property tax to state aid. Sure. So if you're if you're if you pay attention to the news or you re, you read the the papers in Wisconsin what we're going to be hearing now from education advocates and uh, districts and at the state level is an argument over how yeah. how that funding comes. And I think it's important to really emphasize this revenue limit because it is completely possible, and what has been done is to increase that state aid amount. So instead of $7, you get 8 but not increase that ceiling. So as a result, the state can say, you're getting more money, but we are not getting additional dollars as a district because we're still capped at that limit. Right. You only get 10 You only get 10 in this situation. Um, now, I do want to emphasize that is property tax relief in that scenario because if initially you're thinking, oh, well, we're going to get $7 from the state and $3 from property tax, in that situation you'd be getting $8 from the state and $2 from property tax, which means less tax from the community, which is very important for taxpayers, and I don't want to diminish that. The fact of the matter is the school district still gets $10. Yeah. As a homeowner, I appreciate at least the that idea, but it's not really spending more on education if you think that it's paying for teachers or for something else. It's not uh, – you can't spend more than the $10. Correct. Um, or at least you can't raise. So we, we can spend mm-hmm. more on, the, on the expense side more and then dip into fund balance. But as far as our revenue for a given year, the vast majority is within that revenue limit. Sure. So as we're seeing these discussions unfold, there's some phrases. Talking before we got started, there are three ways um, the school district might see money 
uh, come in that will help us with the bills that we have to pay? Yeah. So I think with with state with, with school funding, I should say, and now you're adding state funding into that as well. There's a lot of confusion. And what I try to do with the board is say, here are three levers that will really impact the school. Um, three things to focus on and to advocate for. Uh, the first thing is a revenue limit increase. So exactly what we've been talking about. So if we receive a per pupil revenue limit increase, we will receive more dollars as a district. Right. Back to our analogy, $11. Yeah. Instead of 10, you get 11. Well, as some combination of property tax and state aid, we get $11 instead of 10. The other category is per pupil categorical aid. That's a type of aid that if we get more of, we will receive spendable dollars. And then the last item that we could potentially pull as a state is um, is special ed reimbursement. It's important to note that as a district, we are literally required to spend money that is required for special education services. So it's not a question of do we spend more or less money on special ed. It's a question of how much do we get reimbursed for special ed. So at this point, if we spend um, $10 on special ed last year, we will get reimbursed $3 this year at the current rate. So what we'd be asking for is, well, let's make it $4. So if we make it $4, then we get reimbursed an additional dollar this year in this scenario. And what that means is there's less local dollars going to make sure that special education is balanced, a balanced budget. Sure. And and it's important to know, um, this is where the analogy fails us, because we're talking millions of dollars. We are, It's, it's yes. not $3 per student. It's it's millions of dollars. Yes. Yeah, we're, we're very much simplifying the scenario. So, yeah, so, we're, again, we're talking about a 44-ish million dollar budget for Fund 10 alone, and then yet special education is several million on, on top of that. Um, so each fund has its own unique situation, but truly most of the budgeting is focused on 10 and 27 um, special education and the general fund. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're very much interrelated because fund 27, the special education fund must be balanced. The expenses must equal the revenues. We must, we must provide those expenses to meet the needs of special education students. And at the end of the year, we have to have our revenues match, even if that means we have to transfer from fund 10 to meet that. And that's what happens in the majority of school districts. We do not get reimbursed enough to meet that balanced budget requirement. So we actually transfer from Fund 10 to Fund 27 to make sure that those those funds are balanced. Sure, and um, so talking about um, that revenue limit again, that hasn't changed in, in, in this biennium in Correct. two years. So right? it's supposed to be increased with inflation. And we, in the last two years, that revenue limit has not been increased at all. It was frozen, which is a problem because now we are looking at historic inflation as everyone has experienced at the gas pump and um, and grocery stores we are experiencing that with our utilities with our purchase services you name it we're experiencing it as well and with staffing as well so we're experiencing the same problem and we did not see any increase of the revenue limit in the last two years so the key question is Will we, will we see an increase to make up for that in the next biennium, or is it going to remain flat like it has in the past? And we'll just have to wait and see. So that's where those scenarios come out. That you, Depending on how those levers are pulled, the state may or may not make up for that difference, and that heavily impacts the district. Sure. And 
kind of still in the budget 101 mode, um, you don't know what's coming out of Madison. You have to be prepared with your best estimate of what's going to happen because your timeline doesn't match with Madison's timeline. Correct. So in general, we, we are trying our best to talk with legislators. We are advocating for the needs of the district. We're in high communications, heavy communications with people who have their ears to the ground in Madison to, in order to figure out what is our best estimate as to what will come next. So we're looking at, um, at forecasting based off our best estimate, but the fact of the matter is that budget will be finalized likely in the late spring, summer months. That's after we have to have contracts figured out for next year. So as a result, we need to make budgetary decisions now in the absence of having firm, concrete numbers set with the biennium budget. Sure. And then I guess adjustments come later um, as you – once you find out what the hard numbers are, you can make adjustments. But you have to pass a budget in March. Correct. Yeah. So we're, we're looking at passing a budget in March with our best estimate. And we can we can predict a lot going forward. And that was truly the, the – the, the essence of those six scenarios I presented to the board. Um, we can pull a lot of levers and we can look at our best estimate. And in a lot of those scenarios, four out of the six, we are looking at some kind of deficit. Sure. If you tuned year. into the school board meeting on um, last Wednesday, um, you probably heard Dan speak about these, but um, tell us what those six scenarios might be. Yeah, so essentially it's the first it goes from worst case scenario to best case scenario. So it goes from if the state literally does decides to not increase any spendable dollars for districts whatsoever. So if we had another continuation of the last two years, um, in which case we'd be looking at a high deficit next year, all the way to if we get what we are advocating for, which is fifteen hundred dollars increase a fifteen hundred dollar increase to the revenue limit or per pupil categorical aid over the course of the next two years, um, you can see what kind of scenario we're looking at. So it goes from, it spans um, from deficits to surplus, uh, surpluses in those scenarios. But I would say the scenarios two through four are probably the most likely at this point based off of our discussions with legislators. And that's what we're trying to discuss as a board. The board will determine which scenario to go with and uh, we'll ultimately have heavy decisions to make as far as how do we mitigate a deficit next year. Sure. And so now this is kind of where we go out of 101 and we go into, into politics just a little bit because um, if, if COVID had never happened, this would be a normal budget discussion. But, but it hasn't. There's been an infusion of cash from the federal government. Um, explain what that is and and how that factors into our budget. Yeah, so this is a huge factor in our budget. So I mentioned that the majority of our revenue comes from property tax and state aid, a combination of the two, within the revenue limit. A third force or, uh, a third source of revenue that we receive is f- from federal sources. So we get a, a host of grants like Title One through Four uh, that 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 are just federal sources, um, and those we get every single year. They're reoccurring. Um, all those federal funds are a minority of our budget. We received an additional federal source of money called the ESSER grants. There were three phases of ESSERs, one, two, and three. Um, and these are all COVID-19 related stimulus package dollars. Uh, so the school districts in Wisconsin received these funds from the federal government. And 
um, the state took this opportunity and noted that they did not need to increase our revenue limit because we received those funds. Sure. So it's important to point out that the federal dollars didn't go to Madison and then come through away. It came directly kind of through the governor's office. The governor decide, decided that, which kind of goes into the politics of all this. Well, it gets a little gray there. I, I think the key thing to, to note is that we, we as a district do not receive all those ESSER funds all at once, mm. nor do we receive them intermittently through through the year. Um, instead, we incur an expense, and then we fill out an application online to the state saying, here's our COVID-19 related expense, um, please reimburse us. And if the state says yes, then we get the dollars. Mm, okay, so it does. there are some controls at the state. It yeah. is very much controlled by the state. And I think that's the key thing to emphasize, because when you're looking at um, a non-grant source of revenue, there is no application process. The, the district gets the funds and can use it for general purposes. Now, there's an audit required for all those funds. There are checks and balances for those funds, but there's not an initial application. With a grant like this, uh, the, the intent of those ESSER funds are one, for, for those funds to be used for one-time, non-recurring COVID-19-related expenses. Sure. And not the, general fund expenses. Sure. And that was the intention, I think, here, very clearly stated when we started getting those funds. That was the idea. Right? And, and definitely from the beginning, it was very easy to make those decisions. Um, when you're looking at as the biennium f- came together, we were and we had zero dollar increases to the revenue limit. It became harder and harder to make those decisions to not dip into recurring costs with ESSER. Yeah. And, so, and in fact, we we're encouraged to. Uh, correct. So I, in general, I would say South Milwaukee has been very good with the stewardship of these ESSER funds, um, where we replaced the HVAC systems and provided clean air in two of our two of our elementary schools. Yeah. And, and what's important about that is that it, it was the systems were near hospital grade to filter out viruses like COVID-19. Like that was the goal. And air conditioning came along with it. Correct. So we're looking at we, we u- legitimately used a lot of these the, these funds for one-time non-recurring expenses, but even like your position, Dan, uh, you were brought on through the ESSER grants specifically to help us with our communication as we went through those, these difficult times. Um, the question is going forward. When those dollars re- disappear, what happens to those positions? Mm-hmm. Um, do we keep them on, um, and or, or do we cut them? Now, these are non-recurring funds. So at the end of next school year, so the 23-24 school year that we're budgeting for, these funds will disappear. They are not part of our recurring operating expenses. Um, and since we did not receive any additional dollars from the state in the revenue limit, um, for the last two years, this has provided quite the drop off in our in our revenues. I was going to say we're not alone in this. I mean, um, there was direction to use this for operating money. Not there was no promise that that money would would be made up once it disappears. But schools around the state are facing a, this fiscal cliff because their expenditures are now far lower than their revenue. Correct and backwards i said that backwards their expenditures are higher than what the revenue is going to be yeah exactly so we're looking at a situation where the majority of school districts in wisconsin are facing what we're calling a fiscal cliff 
So at the end of next year, when those funds go away, the following year after that in 24, 25, the big question becomes, well, what do you do? Those funds are gone. And the number one question on business officials' minds right now is, will the state actually make up for that difference? Or are we looking at zeros again? And we we will have to wait to find out. Sure. And it's not just that you invest your money that contributes to that cliff. Your your expenses have gone up. Uh, teachers need raises. It's a competitive market now across the country for qualified teachers. Oh my gosh, yes. So we are looking at a situation where, again, inflation impacts everything. Uh, so that's our utility bills. That's what we pay for services. That's what we pay for teachers. And the question is, how do we meet those demands when our revenue is not increasing? And we're facing the situation where when your expenditures are going up and your revenue is flat, you have to make cuts to some degree. Mm. And it's unfortunate um, because the state does have tools to levers they can pull, as we discussed in the scenarios, to potentially mitigate this scenario altogether. Mm. Um, So in that two-thirds of – in that remaining third of our budget that's not instruction, we mentioned that was debt. We told everybody that we'd paid off the high school uh, this year, which yep. which is great. I mean that that is a uh, you know a success. Does that mean that money now goes back into general operating that we were spending? So first of all, I'll just say that I think this is this is a great testament to the wise financial stewardship of this district. So the fact that we this district is virtually debt-free and we're looking at the remaining debt that we have, we're looking to pay off in the next couple of years here. And when you compare that to other districts, it just simply is not the case. So the other thing I'll say, so to, to your question, the key thing is that revenue limit. So we're going to come back to that all the time because if we have that $10 ceiling, what that debt was was referendum debt above that revenue limit. So we had, um, we had passed a referendum for the high school to get additional funds from the community above that revenue limit to pay off the debt specifically for that high school. Now, what happens when that debt disappears is that the taxpayers are no longer carrying that burden. But it does not create room within the revenue limit since that additional debt was above the revenue mm. limit. So it's a very good thing for taxpayers. It's a very good thing for this community. And we should be proud of the fact that we've had that stewardship where we don't even have Fund 39 debt anymore. Um, but it does mean that we do not have additional dollars within the revenue limit to play with anymore. Mm. It, we, we, it was never within the revenue limit. It was above it. Sure. So... What that effectively means, and I think homeowners saw it, is the the mill rate, how we tax property went down a little bit. Yeah, and that's – and I think what the majority of of taxpayers in South Milwaukee saw was that their their property values went up incredibly. Um, So the overall amount of money that the district received in the last levy was less than last year. And the overall rate, mill rate that you mentioned, did go down as compared to last year. And it was disheartening as I talked with employees here who are residents of South Milwaukee to talk about how property taxes went up nonetheless. Um, Because I truly felt and continue to feel like we are doing our best in South Milwaukee to, to maintain a low mill rate 
Um, but nonetheless, because of historic inflation and the, the yeah, the here we are again. Seeing, here inflation. we are again. Exactly. It's very difficult. Okay. So um, next steps. So so you've you, you're engaged with the board. Um, you're you've laid out the scenarios. What what happens next? So now the board, we're working together to make a decision, mm-hmm. and. As I mentioned, um, we have a couple scenarios. So the key question is, which one do we lay, lay, uh, lean into? Now, we have discussed a lot as an, at an administration level of how do we make budgeting more transparent. I think one of the biggest things you can do as a community member is converse with your board, attend board meetings. Um, we are required to publish these meetings, we, and we are posting the, the recordings online uh, as well as all the documents. Yeah, and I do encourage you to go back and hear Dan's uh, six scenarios from the meeting on January 25th. Yeah, thanks, Dan. So then, so that's, I think, option, next step forward, option one is, is just is getting involved with the board budget process. Uh, I would say the other thing is... Um, we're working together to, to make our website a little bit more user-friendly, specifically on the budget and finance side of things. So we're looking to have a bit of a makeover there where you can actually see some live data um, from, from the district and also see the documents that have been utilized for budget purposes this year so far. Mm, okay. So um, another way you can reach out um, to Dan, and, and if you want to hear a um – uh, if you have a topic that you'd like for a future podcast episode, info at sdsm.k12.wi.us. That's um, that's our website or that's our email address for for comments. Um, but I'll also, you know, again, tune in on Zoom and watch future board meetings um, um, because, like I said in the beginning, this affects everything we do here. Um, so it's a really important time of year. Dan, thank you so much for being here uh, and helping us through this. Uh, Hopefully we'll have you back when we talk about it later. Sounds great. Thanks for having me. I hope this conversation helped you understand a little bit better how our school budget works. There's jargon and very specific wording to talk about very specific things. I hope a takeaway for you is that the school board might have to decide on reducing the budget. It's frustrating because we won't know the revenue side fully before we have to decide on what we can afford to provide our students. That's school budgeting, but in a year with the looming fiscal cliff, it can be unsettling. Thank you for those who stayed with me through this whole episode. As a treat, here's Ross and first graders in Mrs. Harris' music room practicing a Bruno Mars song for their upcoming concert. I find it so inspiring. I hope you do too. Thanks for listening.